the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, when you're tempted to believe that you are the pawn of a meaningless game of destiny and somehow your life doesn't matter, don't surrender to that thought for a second. Because your life matters. God will manipulate what may be negative circumstances in your life to make a huge difference in someone else's life. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko brings you the first portion of The Butler and the Baker, a message that was preached back in 2021. Again, The Butler and the Baker, and we do hope that you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentango. Let's pray, and we'll launch into the Word. Father God... I thank you today for Jesus, who's the magnificent Savior of the human race, who is for us all that we need, who has granted us the ability to wait on him and get the answers that are necessary in our lives. So, Father, answer us in your time, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. The American poet Emily Dickinson described waiting as a hunger that needs to be satisfied. She wrote in her poem, Hunger... I had been hungry all the years. My noon had come to dine. I trembling drew the table near and touched the curious wine. Twas this on tables I had seen. When turning hungry lone, I looked in windows for the wealth I could not hope to own. I did not know the ample bread. Twas so unlike the crumb the birds and I often shared in nature's dining room. The plenty hurt me, twas so new, myself felt ill and odd, as berry of a mountain bush transplanted to the road. Nor was I hungry, so I found that hunger was a way of persons outside windows the entering takes away. Profound ending to the poem. Emily Dickinson here captures the metaphor of hunger to describe the innate need of someone on the outside to come to the inside. Someone who's hungering to belong somehow cannot belong. Her hunger was her need to belong and to have a place on the inside. We have the same kind of hunger. It is a fact that when someone is trapped on the outside, they're in the worst kind of prison. And the need to leave the outside and go in is the deepest kind of freedom. When you finally find home, you are free. Joseph had been thrown to prison by Potiphar to protect his reputation and to preserve the lie that his wife had perpetrated, that somehow she was the victim of Joseph's lusts and desire for her. And what do we use as the picture to describe her in our sermon a couple weeks ago? The cougar. She was the cougar. 
Potiphar's wife was the cougar and she had set her lion's eyes on devouring Joseph. But Joseph fled from her because the light of God cannot live in the same room with the darkness of the night. He got out of there. He fled and when he finally came home, he discovered that somehow the doors were shut. He was locked outside. He would never go to Potiphar's house. He would never be the same ever again. They threw him into prison for a crime he didn't commit. The injustice of her accusation landed deep within him, and he realized his life would never be the same. Many a person today lives in a prison guilty of a crime they did not commit. The Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. When you judge someone else, when you hurl an accusation of intent on someone else, you can create in that person's mind a prison of a sort because they can come to believe the false accusation. They can come to believe your judgment rather than God's sense of things. And they can be trapped by it. Joseph was trapped by the judgments of others. This kind of injustice has been immortalized in the great literature like Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. Alexander Dumas's The Count of Monte Cristo and Guy de Maupassant's short story, The Piece of String. It's not my duty to tell you about all these fictional stories. They are fiction, but injustice is no fiction. When you feel it, you know it's real. Injustice imposed on the innocent is the theme of the great imaginative literature, but it occupies our attention every day. It's in the news. It's in our lives. We live in a world of injustice. But Joseph's story was not a dream. It was not made up. It was not a tale of fancy. His story was a living nightmare that was real for him. And when he went to sleep at night, his only consolation for him was the presence of God who somehow was there in the midst of the injustice. Friend, it is necessary to hunger for a home when you are shut out from the world. It is important to yearn for a door that lets you in when others say be gone and be lost. It is vital to find the way to live again in life. If you have come to a dungeon that is dark and deep and you can't climb out, it is important to look for the day when you will. Never forget that the dungeon is dark and time stops in a dungeon for the person who's trapped on the outside, hoping for a welcome door, a home, and a hearth that will change the predicament of their encampment. Another American poet, Robert Frost, in fact, Robert Frost is my favorite poet. His interlocking rhyme scheme, the deep metaphorical meanings, he's an amazing poet. And he describes the stuff of the night, the stuff of the long wait, in a poem called Acquainted with the Night. It's one of my favorite poems. He writes, I have been one acquainted with the night. I have walked out in rain and back in rain. I have outwalked the furthest city light. I have looked down the saddest city lane. I have passed by the watchman on his beat and dropped my eyes unwilling to explain. I have stood still and stopped the sound of feet when far away an interrupted cry came over houses from another street. But not to call me back or say goodbye, and further still, at an unearthly height, one luminary clock against the sky proclaimed the time was neither wrong nor right, and then he ends, I have been one acquainted with the night. That's masterful poetry. But it describes what people go through in life. There are times when people realize that it's just not the right time, that things aren't working out in my life, that it isn't mattering, I can't fix it. 
We have all been one acquainted with the night. And so Joseph was sentenced to prison that was not of his own making. His crime was fidelity to God. I mean, that's why he was there. He was faithful to God, and he got pushed into prison because of it. His hunger was for home. He was an outcast in a foreign land. Yes, indeed, he was acquainted with the night because the dungeon was dark. His young life had turned around, and his circumstances had been transformed, and none of us would want to be where Joseph was at. Open your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis 39, verse 20, where Joseph's master seals Joseph's fate, it seems. Genesis 29, verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The prison here defined for Joseph was the prison for the worst criminals in the kingdom of Egypt. When a king has a high security prison, that is his prison, that means that's where you put the terrorists. That means that's where you put the greatest threats of the kingdom. That's where you put people who have threatened your life as king. That's where you put the people who can cause a revolution. Joseph was in that kind of prison. The text says Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. Now think about these words. He was taken and he was put. These are forceful words. To take is to steal. To put is to impose. But when it was done, Potiphar and his wife were gone from Joseph's life. And Joseph had no real master in prison but God. When the force of the current of what had happened to him settled out, he was alone, but God was with him. That's right. Joseph had no master in his prison because God was with him. And he learned that God is the only one who can make you a free man or a free woman in a prison that you cannot escape. Verse 21 says, God showed Joseph steadfast love. Do you see that? In the verse, he showed him steadfast love. Don't hurry over these words. You cannot be blind if God shows you steadfast love. He didn't just feel it. God showed him steadfast love. Eyes must see to perceive steadfast love that is shown. Not just any kind of love found Joseph in Pharaoh's high security prison. Joseph received the kind of love that is sure and confident and that will not go away. However bad the circumstances find you, steadfast love shown to you can open the door and illumine the eyes. The Hebrew word for steadfast love is chesed. Why don't you say that with me? Chesed. Chesed. Kind of like a guttural K-C-H sound. Chesed. And it means kindness and goodness. But in the Bible... It's the kind of secure love in Scripture that is rooted in the covenant character of God. That's steadfast love. Our love is fickle. It comes and it goes. God's love is concrete. It's solid. It's there. It is rooted in His moral nature to do the right thing all the time, no matter what's happening in your life. And so God Himself puts God on the line to ensure the welfare of His son or daughter who cast their hopes on Him. And so God's steadfast love is God's love, God loving you all the time. And verse 21 says, God gave Joseph favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Hebrew word chen here is the best word for grace. We get our word Hannah from it in the English translation. Remember the story of Hannah and Samuel? Hannah really means mother grace. Her name means grace. It's the feminine word for this word grace. Paul says we are saved by grace through faith and that it is a gift of God. And the text is very clear. God gave grace or favor in behalf of Joseph. Ephesians 2 verse 8. 
For by grace, you will be saved in the distant future. Is that what that verse says? Interact with me. What does it say? By grace, what? You have been saved. I mean, don't be afraid of the language of scripture in your life. God has done something for you in the past because of God's grace for you. Huge. For by grace, you have been saved, but how? Through faith. Now, theologians and Bible scholars have argued as to who the faith is here. I believe in reading the book of Romans and Galatians that the primary force is the faith of Jesus. Whatever faith we have is somehow derived from the faith that never failed, the faith that made it to the cross, the faith that went through the awful trials of Gethsemane, the faith that was resurrected on Sunday morning and was affirmed by God as saving faith, the faith of Jesus. We're saved through faith. Yes, we believe, but it's the faithfulness of Christ that gets us there. And he says, this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast. No man or woman will get to heaven because he was good at doing the things that God required. He'll get to heaven because he tasted the gift of God's grace in Jesus and it transformed his or her life. How many times in life do we try to work for grace as we convince ourselves that we can do it on our own, that somehow we can fix our lives, and then we discover that our resolutions and our best efforts at achieving grace are hopeless ropes of sand. They can't get us to God. Friend, grace is someone you receive, not something you achieve in life. Grace is someone you receive, not something you achieve. God gave Joseph grace when Joseph couldn't do a thing on his own to get it. God gave it to him. God changed the way the captain of the guard viewed him. Joseph had no way to do that, but God could. The captain of the guard for the prison came to see Joseph as a free man with abilities inside that prison. And here the story shifts to the keeper of the prison who should be calling the shots, but he's decided not to because Joseph is there. Look at verse 22 of Genesis 39. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Boy, I like that. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. You want a blessing like that in your life? I want a blessing like that in my life. When I work for God, when I strive to make a difference, If I'm in the right relationship with God, it will prosper in God's plan. Now, he was in prison. You'd think that being in prison would be against prosperity. But no, in the negative circumstance, God turned it for the positive. So what was Joseph's new role in the prison? What did jailhouse Joe do there? The prisoner, who was Joseph, trapped in the game of the long wait. That is prison time. Convict Joe, prison Joe became the pastor of the prison in time. He became the one who cared for all those there. He became the sole shepherd of the flock that was the prison flock. Prisoners have unique needs, and Joseph's role given by God was to meet the needs of the prisoners. Joseph didn't know that he was thrown into prison because God cares about the prisoners. I mean, we often miss the fact that God cares about the prisoners. Why would the most talented Hebrew man in the world with these future capabilities, called to God to change the world. Why would God stick him in a prison to minister to people who are convicts? Because God cares about people that no one else will reach out to. Joseph was the missionary of God for the prison. So who wants to teach and preach and minister to prisoners as one of them? 
It's one thing to come every Sunday or once every two weeks and have a little sermon and leave. It's another thing to get your own jailhouse cell, settle in, and you become the pastor. Joseph was appointed to the task of caring for them as their pastor in the prison. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Friend, when you're tempted to believe that you are the pawn of a meaningless game of destiny, and somehow your life doesn't matter, don't surrender to that thought for a second. Because your life matters. God will manipulate what may be negative circumstances in your life to make a huge difference in someone else's life. God has put you where you are at to make a difference right where you live. Your great calling is to care for people, to love them right where you live. You are the center of their universe because that's where God's love is poured out through you. And your prison and the job you hate or the role that you have taken because you have to do it, but you don't want to because you're there. Your place right there is someone else's divine opportunity to know God through you. Do not forget how important where you are at. There's a waiting game implied in the syntax of the narrative Joseph stuck in Pharaoh's prison. In verse 26, the text says, and he was there in prison. You know, we read over that. He was there in prison. Verse 23, the text says, and the Lord was with him. See, he was there, but he was not alone. The Lord was with him. We often forget that part of the story. Joseph was in prison, but God was in prison with Joseph. So it's not just jailhouse Joe, it's God with jailhouse Joe. They're both in the jailhouse. They're both in the cell. Joseph and God. Joseph didn't spend one day in that jail without God in jail every day with him. That is the underlying fact that gives us that steadfast chesed kind of love that Joseph experienced. Time is a way of becoming the long wait when you are in a prison you don't deserve. You ever had to wait for something a long time and you hated waiting for it? Anybody ever been in that camp? Oh, I hate waiting on that. But then it came and you got real happy. You can grow old in prison. That is where the story shifts to the butler and the baker. Look at verse 1 of Genesis 40 to verse 3. Sometime after this, the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Now, we don't know what they did. We don't know what kind of offense it was. The evidence is it may have been a life-threatening offense. They may have slipped up. Maybe they let someone get through and they caught him. Who knows what was going on? But, you know, Pharaoh didn't get angry easily. There would have been a good reason for this. Verse 2, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers the chief butler and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. Time is alive. And in these verses, because time is ticking and everyday matters in prison, a lot is going on with the expressions of time. The text says, sometime after this. 
The Hebrew literally reads, after these words. That's the expression that's translated sometime after this. What's going on? After these words. That's what it's saying literally. In Daniel 9.25, the Hebrew word davar, word, is used to mean the divine decree from the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. It's really the Hebrew word word from the davar, the word to restore and build Jerusalem. That's what's used here. So time is ticking, but sometimes we think that God is not in control of time. Friend, after these words, after God is in control of every prick of time, everything is determined in the life that is surrendered. It is a divine decree. After these decrees, it could be translated. These things happened. The text implies that these divine decrees, these words, these things that are time, are in the power of the one who is the living word of God. Christ is the living word of God that came to Abraham in Genesis 15.1. He's the word that created the world according to John 1.1. And every moment of our life, our time life cycle is in the power of the one who is the living word. And so time are words spoken by God. It's true that kings can do no wrong in the eyes of the king. And so the butler and the baker angered the king and they landed in prison with Joseph. Whether they deserved it or not, that's where they landed. This action of Pharaoh has now brought Joseph one step closer to the ultimate power of Egypt and he doesn't even know it. Joseph was thrown into Pharaoh's prison. Pharaoh interacted with that prison by the choice that he made with the butler and the baker. And so in a sense, Joseph is interacting with Pharaoh, not directly, but close. What Pharaoh will do with these two men, the butler and the baker, will affect Joseph's future and theirs. And what Joseph does for them, what he says to them, will affect Pharaoh's future, the king's future, and in time, the whole world. So it matters what is happening in that prison. Dear heart, don't think that your life does not have meaning because you feel trapped in an awful kind of circumstance, a job, or a predicament that you feel you can't dig out of. We live in a web of providences. And what you do in your jail time with God can affect the destiny of nations and of kings. Do your work for God faithfully where you are at. And let God work for you on his timetable to put you where you need to be. If you're not faithful where you're at, you will not be where God wants you to be. You have to grow in character. The word for prison in verse 3 is literally the house of roundness. Or more simply translated, the roundhouse. That's what they called the prison. If I were to ask you next week, what was the prison? What would you say? The house of roundness or the, the roundhouse. When you're going in circles in the same routine, day after day, the circle of life's routine can become a prison for you, the roundhouse. There's something about the mundane that is circular. There's something about the mundane that when you go in a circle, you're trapped. You're just going in a circle. You gotta break out of the circle to be free. The roundhouse, that's the name of the prison. Joseph's new life in prison with God, remember God's in jail too, seems to be a life going nowhere in circles. But the circles don't have to spiral down if God is with you. They can spiral up. They don't have to spiral down. Suddenly, the circle of the mundane that is Joseph's prison is interrupted by the drama of the arrival of the chief butler and the chief baker. The butler and the baker are not just butlers and bakers in the kingdom of Egypt. They are the masters of their trade in Egypt, and such they carry the titles of the chief butler and the chief baker. Pharaoh made them that. So big guys show up in prison. Joseph is there as well. The captain of the guard, now I've wondered who this captain of the guard is. 
Do you realize it's the exact same expression used for Potiphar? It is. I've wondered if Potiphar wasn't the one in charge of the whole prison system. That's why he threw him there. But then the the warden, the local guy, was kind of running shop. There's a lot of nuances here we don't know the answers to. The captain of the guard took no chances with these two prominent men because he too could fall into hard times and he could lose his life if he made Pharaoh angry. So you don't want to go politically wrong here and get yourself nixed. If Pharaoh could get angry with the chief butler and the chief baker, then Pharaoh could get definitely angry with the chief guard of the prison or the warden, whoever he is. So what did the captain of the guard do to ensure that everything went well in the mundane circle that was the prison? Remember the circle, the house of the round, the round house, the house of the circle. Verse 4, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he waited on them, and they continued for some time in custody. Here's that word time again. The text says in verse 1, sometime after this, which we know it's kind of like that decreed time. It now says in verse 4, they continued for some time in that jail. Now, you put it together, the jail is the place of the long wait. That's where Joseph is at. It's the place of the long wait. The Hebrew says literally they were days in custody. Days. When you are trapped in life and you can't see what's outside, it's a dark dungeon. You don't know when the sun sets or when it rises. You're caught in the circle of the mundane. How do you even know what days are? But somehow he could discern days. Built within the rhythm of our life is the idea of time as days. COVID-19 time has been slow kind of time for us all. How many of you have been tired of COVID-19 time? Oh, no, we've got to do this. And I've noticed during COVID-19 kind of time that we've been reacting to all kinds of orders, not laws passed by legislatures. Somebody in some position will make a rule, and suddenly everybody's got to follow that rule. That is so contrary to how this country was set up. Well, unfortunately, we need to leave it there for the first portion of The Butler and the Baker, which was preached back in 2021. We do hope that uh, you have an opportunity to listen to the conclusion of this message the next time we get together. And thank you so much for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. ReachingHearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. ReachingHearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.